Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. Good morning. Well, as you can see, I did not get a new uniform for Christmas. Still wearing the same old thing. But truth be told, uh, it, there's something very solid about being able to get up on a Sunday morning and put on my uniform. It's very, well, same. And there's something real solid about that for me. Uh, there's something real unnerving about having one of those days when everything that you had in mind that was going to happen that day just goes to pot, falls apart, doesn't happen right. And maybe you had a plan and maybe somebody else had a plan and the two of you are trying to merge those plans and they just aren't happening right. And everything falls apart. You ever had one of them days? Come on, you ever had one of them days? Yeah, we've all had those kind of days. Just, I just should have stayed in bed that day. Well, if you've ever gone through a day like that, well, maybe a month like that. Well, maybe a year like that. I don't know. Well, you picked a great church service to be here for. Because today, 
we're going to look at what to do when things go wrong. And we're going to consider what to do when God changes your plans. It's one of the lessons that the Christmas story really teaches us. Keep it in mind, plans change. When you think about it, the Christmas story is really a story of everybody's plans getting changed. Nobody's life really turned out the way they originally thought it would. And sort of remarkably, behind all the change and confusion, God was in it all. And he was in control because he was at work putting together a Savior who was going to come into this world. Well, just think of how Mary and Joseph had their plans changed. All they wanted to do was get married, settle down, nice little home, live a life, peace and quiet. My husband's a carpenter. My wife's got this family. We're going to have this perfect little modular thing going on. And then right in the middle of all their preparations, an angel comes along. Can you imagine this? By the way, God has a new plan for you, Mary. You're going to get pregnant before the wedding. (laughs) And it's not going to be Joseph's baby. (laughs) Oh, yes. Don't get upset about this, but... This is going to be a miracle. It's never been done before, and it's never going to happen again. We're going to call it a virgin birth. And by the way, your child will be, the child you're carrying is going to be God. Talk about having your life screwed up. Well, God messed up their plans big time. I'd encourage you to open up the book of Psalm, Psalm 138, verses 1 through 8. And it gives us some encouragement in situations like that. Psalm 138 says this. I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Let's pray this morning. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us to worship you, to have you in our very presence here, Lord. The story of the Christmas birth is one that we may put on the shelf for many months at a time, but it's one that will endure forever. Help us to keep it in mind today, Lord, as we consider what we should be doing for the betterment of your kingdom, for the betterment of bringing others to that closer walk with you. Help us to know how to handle the situations that may come before us, Lord, that we might shine for you. Now as we worship together, Lord, be with us. Lift us up. Help us to shine for you in all that we say and all that we do. Amen. So what do you do when life throws you a curveball? Well, our next song is going to be kind of talking about that. And the band's going to give us just a little bit of an introduction. But the first words come on. In the fight, say, does your heart grow weary? Do you find your path is rough and tough to get along on? Never mind about that. Just keep going. Go on. Band's going to give us an introduction. Let's stand. We're going to sing together.
Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. I was looking at the title of um, the program for today, When God Messes Up Our Plans, and I have to, before I continue with the response of Scripture, I remember oh, 10 years ago, the year Rebecca was born, we had all these plans that they were going to send us cadets because Rebecca was due right before Christmas. They were going to send us cadets, and they were going to help out, and they didn't send us cadets. And we were really frustrated, and we're like, okay, what's going on, Lord? You know, we really should, could use this help. And um, Rebecca was born. She was born sick. But what God sent us instead was the Army National Guard to help with the toy shop at our first appointment. And that help is still going to this day. So, you know, sometimes we think we have these plans, and we know what we want to have done, and God knows better. And he messes up our plans, but that doesn't mean that they're his. But not only did God mess up Mary and Joseph's plans, Christmas also messed up the plans of the religious leaders of that day. They had been praying for a Messiah, but they wanted a political savior. They wanted somebody to come in and overthrow the Roman Empire. They weren't looking for a spiritual savior. They were looking for somebody to release the Jewish nation from the Roman oppression. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and he says, Love your enemy, do good to those who despise you, pray for those who persecute you, return good for evil, love your neighbor as yourself. What? This is not the Messiah that they had planned on. God really messed up their plans, and they had no clue. Would you join me with the responsive reading, please? Each of us knows what it's like to search for night, search, search the night for light. We've asked our questions, we've questioned God's plan, and we've wondered why God does what he does. If you believe God is obligated to explain himself to us, you ought to examine the following scriptures. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 25.2, It is the glory of God Isaiah 45.15 states, Truly you are a God who hides himself. Deuteronomy 29.9 reads, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Ecclesiastes 11.5 As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Romans 11:33 indicates that God's judgments are unsearchable, his ways past finding out. Similar language is found in 1 Corinthians 2, 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? Clearly, the scripture tells us that we lack the capacity to grasp God's infinite mind or the way he intervenes in our lives. Unless the Lord chooses to explain himself to us, which often he does not, his motivation and purposes are beyond the reach of mortal man. 
What this means in practical terms is that many of our questions, especially those that begin with the word why, will have to remain unanswered for the time being. Sometimes people really try to control things, especially people who are in power. And one of those people we know from the scriptures was King Herod. You know, God messed up Mary and Joseph's plans, but he also messed up King Herod's plans really good. But King Herod tried to do, tried to control things by, well, I want to be king. I am worried about staying king. And a way to eliminate the competition is to eliminate the competition. Herod was responsible for the death of his mother, his brother-in-law. He had his wife killed. Um, he had two of his sons killed, thinking they were going to become king, even though one of them wound up being king. We know that. And Jews, and he just tried so hard to control things. He went to the extreme. And one of the things you have to come down to when it's making plans, and if I have anything I've learned in officership, uh, especially in the position that we're in right now, I make my plans about two hours in advance and see what happens. Uh, there are days like that. In fact, there's been weeks like that, and probably the last 10 years I can say in our officership has been like that. Um, watch those plans. They can change. And I'm not one of the most flexible people in the world, and so my wife's going, no, he's not. So that may be one reason why I have this, is God's trying to remind me again. I say today that uh, the first services for the Owasso Corps will be the first Sunday of Lent, but I'm, I'll, add, I'll add, wait and see. <laughs> wait and see. But what it all comes down to is we have to worship God. God is in control. God is God. Like a counselor told me one time, he looked at me and he said, Keith, there is a God and you are not him. Because <laughs> if you try to control everything, you're going to go crazy. Oh,
as we've um, heard this morning, it seems that everyone in the Christmas story had their plans messed up. Can you identify with that? Has God ever messed up your life, ever changed your plans? I know he has. I know some of your life's stories. And I know that life has thrown some of you some very difficult circumstances. But before we, um, before we blame God, let me, let me be clear. Not everything that happens in life is God's will. We make dumb decisions and stupid mistakes. We say stupid things sometimes, and God doesn't have anything to do with them. Sometimes other people cause problems in our lives, and frankly, sometimes we cause problems in other people's lives. Though God is sovereign, is in control, a lot of things that happen in this world aren't his will. Rape, molestation, and abuse are not God's will. Cancer and Alzheimer's and racial prejudice are not God's will. That's why we're instructed to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done perfectly and completely, but it's almost never done perfectly and completely here on earth. It all, go, all goes back to the fact that God gave us this free will, and we frequently choose not to go God's way. So don't blame God for all of the problems that are in your life or that are in this world. Usually it's because of our will, not God's will. But you know, there are those times where God intervenes and he says, I, I want to do something different in your life. I want to do something special in your life. And for me to do that, I have got to change your plans. In Proverbs 19.21 it says, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Sometimes for all of your planning, all of your preparation, things just don't go the way you intended. So what do you do when God changes your plans? That's one of the lessons of the Christmas story. And today, we're going to look at uh, some of these truths to remember when God changes your plans. The first is this. When God changes your plans, he's trying to get your attention. God's plans for Mary and Joseph was so incredible, so um, unbelievable. He had to do something special, something extraordinary to get their attention. So what did he do? He sent an angel. Now please understand, God doesn't have to send an angel to you. Don't wait for an angel to show up to tell you God's changing your plans. You just have to listen. You have to listen. 
The problem is, many of us, we aren't very good listeners. Instead, we're talking all the time, or we're listening to the radio, or we have the TV on, or we're reading our Facebook, or sending email, or Twittering, or surfing the internet, or a million of ways that we occupy our minds and we communicate in this world. People say, I never hear God talking to me. And I say to you, it's because you got all the lines jammed. God laments in Psalm 81.8, I wish my people would listen to me. But when it comes to listening, we've all got SAD, S-A-D-D, spiritual attention deficit disorder. So often we make decisions and we think we're doing the right thing, but we end up in disaster because we have a limited perspective. We can't see the big picture the way that God sees. He's not limited like us. He's not limited by, by time and space. He doesn't live on this planet where we have days and nights and where time goes on in a line. So he knows everything. He knows what's going to happen to you in 2010. Think, think of it like this. Imagine you're driving your car up a curvy mountain road and you get behind a, a slow vehicle. That ever happened to you? You want to pass it, but, but you're just not sure if it's safe because you're not sure if there's a, a Mack truck coming down the other lane and you can't see it because of the curve. So you just stay put and you make slow progress. Now, wouldn't it be great if... Um, if up there in the air there was a helicopter flying overhead and that uh, pilot could radio to you and tell you, it's clear for the next half mile, go ahead and pass. That, that's kind of like the perspective God has. He sees what's coming. He knows what's around the curve. When you were a child, your parents had a perspective, an understanding that you didn't have. And they probably told you, I know that I cook at the stove and it looks really interesting, but don't touch the stove, it's hot. Why? They had the perspective, they had the experience. In, um, in his word, in like manner, God says, there are some things that you really need to do in life. These are important things to do. And there are these other things. Don't do these things. These aren't good for you. But you know, we think we know better. And we get burned, don't we? Remember, everything God does in your life, he does for your good. He does it all out of love to protect you as a loving parent, as a heavenly father. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to get burned, to have a broken heart. To have a broken body, to have a broken marriage, to have broken relationships, to have your dreams shattered. And, and you know, God will share his perspective with you if you'll just listen. If you'll just listen. Remember, when God changes your plans, he's trying to get your attention. 
But there's more. Sometimes God changes your plans because he has a better plan. Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know what I am planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you, and I will give you hope and a good future. You know, as we, as we go into 2010, we really don't know what's going to happen. And if someone tells you they know, they're crazy. They don't know. Nobody knows. But God has plans for you, and they're good plans. They are plans for hope, plans for a future. But he is not going to force those plans on you. He gives you the choice. He, he really does. You can keep on going with your own limited plans, and you can get into all the problems and difficulties, the stress, and the things that happen when you try to do it your own way. But God says, I've got a better plan for your life. Let me share with you three things about God's better plan. First, it is a bigger plan. Mary and Joseph's plan was to get married, have babies, settle down, live a, a, a normal life. But God said, nope, I want to use you to bless the entire world. God's plan in your life is, is bigger than you can imagine. If you go with your own plan instead of God's plan, you limit yourself. You limit the potential uh, that your life is going to realize. Trust me, you have no idea what God wants to do with your life. It's a glorious plan that he has. Second, God's plan is more rewarding. In fact, it's what you were made for. And not only is it more rewarding here on earth, but it's also more rewarding in eternity. The Bible says no one has seen or heard or even imagined what wonderful things God has prepared for those who love him. But, but I must warn you, because God's plan is also sometimes harder. Let's be real. Sometimes God's plan seems more confusing more difficult. Sometimes following God's plan brings more pain into your life. God's plan for Mary, it wasn't an easy plan. Have you put yourself in Mary's shoes? Imagine facing nine months of constant criticism and gossip. Then right before she delivers, they have to go to Bethlehem and she has to ride in her ninth month on a donkey for a long journey. Once they arrive there, there's no room at the inn, and she has to deliver her very first baby by herself in a stable with nothing but cows and chickens and donkeys. Don't you think she would have rather been home delivering her first baby with her mother and her aunts helping her? But recognize this. Though the plan was difficult, it was a plan with great promise. Mary didn't fully appreciate it right at the time. I'm sure she asked a thousand times, Why God? Why me? And it wasn't until much, much later that she began to understand 
what God was doing. There may be things happening in your life right now, and you may be asking, why God? Why? Why, why me? Why now? Why this? I wish I could tell you it would all make sense, but it may be that you're not going to understand why right now. In John 13, 7, Jesus said to his disciples, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but you'll understand later. So when your plans fall through or God changes your plans, you need to remember he's trying to get your attention. He's got a better plan, a bigger plan. It's more rewarding, though it may also be more difficult. But there's also a third thing he wants you to do. Because when God changes your plans, he's saying, trust me. Imagine how this whole Christmas thing tested Joseph's faith. Your fiancé comes to you, honey, I'm pregnant. And you know it's not yours. Imagine how difficult and challenging that was for Mary. How many times she was tested by this whole scenario. God's plan for their lives was so different that all they could do was trust. Unfortunately, too often, we don't realize God is all we need until God is all we've got. Often it's in that moment that you have to learn to trust him. Some of you have been there. You trust that he knows what he's doing, that he's wise, that he loves you, that he cares for you, even though circumstances may make you wonder and you believe that he's going to see you through. The Bible says in Romans 8.28, we know that God causes everything to work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So when God changes your plans, and he will change your plans, the question is, am I going to trust God? Or am I going to trust myself? Am I going to do what he wants me to do? Or am I going to trust myself and think that I can figure this all out? Truth is, none of us really can. None of us knows what 2010 will hold. But there are a few things, as believers, we can know for certain. First of all, we know that God has a plan and a purpose for our life. That is a fact. And we know that God is going to change some of our plans next year. You can count on it. You can take that to the bank. We also know that God will be with us no matter what we go through. And we know that cooperating with God and his plan, really, when it comes down to it, that's the only way to live. The other way of living is a dead end, literally. It's a dead end. There are three warning signs that may help you in determining whether you're trusting God and not really following his plan. 
fatigue, frustration, and fear. If you're constantly tired, then you're not following God's plan. If you're always frustrated, it's because you must be following your plan and and not following God's. And when we're consumed with worry and fear and anxiety, it's because you're following your plan, not God's. Those are some warning signs. God is not the author of those things. That's why God sent Jesus to be our Savior. Not just to save us from sin, though certainly that is why he came, but also to save us from the effects of sin. Things like fatigue, frustration, fear, doubt, depression, resentment, anger, worry, guilt, shame, resentment, bitterness, the the, the list goes on and on. These come from not going with God's plan for your life. Psalm 138.8 says, The Lord will work out his plans for my life, for his faithful love endures forever. God has a plan. And he'll work it out for you if you'll trust him. And who does he want you to trust? The person he sent at Christmas, Jesus. This is what the angels announced at that first Christmas. Today, a Savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. We celebrate Christmas because God sent you a Savior. He sent me a Savior. A Savior has been born to you. And he is a personal Savior, not just some universal Savior of some universal problem of sin. And I wonder this morning, have you ever accepted God's gift to you? Have you received Jesus Christ? shared this gift before, and maybe you've shared it. But as we look forward to a new year, I want to share that gift again. It's like an unopened gift for some of you. Some of you haven't, haven't opened this gift yet. You may have celebrated Christmas every year of your life, and you've never opened God's gift. God sent you a Savior but you've never accepted that free gift. It could be that in 2009, God's been trying to get your attention. One of the primary ways he does that, first is through finances. Another way he will do that is through relational conflicts. Two ways that that God uses to get our attention In doing so, God reminds us we're not as smart as we think we are. And we really do need him. We really do need a savior. At that first Christmas, people came to that uh, Christmas scene, that manger scene, for all kinds of reasons. The same is true today. Some of you are here today because you were forced to be here. Someone drug you here, or you feel so guilty, you got to be here. 
Some of you are here today because it's a habit. It's just, that's what we do. We do this every Sunday. But you know, regardless of why you're here this morning, you're not here by accident. I don't believe you're here by accident. God has a plan. Before you were born, God knew you'd be here today. And he wanted you to hear this message. He wants you to know you matter to him. He loves you. He has a plan for your life, and it's a better plan. It's a more fulfilling plan. It's an eternal plan. And it's a whole lot better than the messed up plan you've been going with. Perhaps some of you have opened that gift, received Jesus as Savior, but you're still fighting against God's plan because that's not where it ends. That's where it starts. It starts when you say yes to God and then, and then the doors open for what God wants to do with your life. And some of you have come to that point and you've accepted that gift and you figure that's the end of the plan. That is just the beginning. God has an adventure for you. And, and you can go through life and suffer the, the difficulties that life can bring, following your own plan, or you can follow God's plan. I'm not going to guarantee you it's going to be an easy plan. Matter of fact, life isn't easy. But God will be with you. God will bless you. He'll open up doors that you wouldn't have imagined. He'll have you do things you never thought you could do. Because that's what God does. So this morning, that is the invitation. If you haven't opened the gift, I invite you to open it, to receive Christ, the forgiveness of your sins, and your um, sins washed away, and a fresh start, a relationship with God. And if you've already made that decision, I invite you to um, trust him. Trust him. I have changed the song that we're going to sing for our song of response. We're going to sing um, the chorus and the verses because this song challenges us to um, cooperate with God and what he's doing in our lives, even when we don't understand it. And just to use us. I hope that is the desire of your heart this morning and if it is as the Holy Spirit speaks I invite you to respond let's stand together place of prayer is available in the front and there are lots of folks who would be happy to pray with you as you seek out God's best God's will for your life but you just do as the Holy Spirit leads let's sing together that I am, all I can be, all that I have, all that is me, accept and use, Lord, as you would choose, Lord, right now today.
before Arlene comes for the benediction, I invite you to bow your heads. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of mercy and love and patience. And God, you, um, you extend your grace and mercy to us time and time again. And you try to speak to us, and Lord, we were so busy and so distracted. And yet, Lord, today we've had a few minutes to pull aside and consider your will for our lives. Lord, I just pray that nobody will leave this place this morning having not made that decision to give you their best. Or if they do leave, then they make the conscious decision that they're really not interested in that. they got their own plans, they got their own goals, and that's what they're going to pursue. Father, I thank you that in your mercy, time and time again, you challenge us with submitting ourselves to your will and your plan. And I just thank you that when we do, your grace and your mercy and your strength is there. So God, do the work that needs to be done in our lives. I pray that each person here, those who've raised their hands, would not simply raise their hands to indicate a need, but Lord, that that would be a a, a signal, a confirmation that they are inviting you to take control of their lives. God, when we do that, we've made the right decision. Bless us now. God, and might we live out your will for our lives in 2010. Thank you for your faithfulness in this past year. And God, we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the baby Jesus, our Savior. When we have accepted your gift of salvation and are on our life's journey with you, Help us to be thankful for your nudges, changes in our plans, yes, even messing with our lives. We know you love us, and you want us to become the best we can be as we serve you in the ways and in the places you have planned. As we start a new year, make us what we need to become to be most useful to you. We love and adore you. Amen.
This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.